They looking good. That was a rough, rough game seven from the Phoenix Suns, getting just absolutely destroyed by the Dallas Mavericks in really unexpected fashion. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, also on Sirius XM Channel 80. And on your smart speaker, you can always tweet at us, at Chris Carlin, at Chris Canty 99 And Phoenix has got to be up in arms right now. So we go to the CC call-in line to welcome in somebody who is as plugged in in that city of Phoenix in the sports world as anybody. That's John Gambadoro from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. Follow him on Twitter, at Gambo987. And Gambo, it's Canty and Carlin. We appreciate the time, man. Let's just start here. What happened last night? What happened is that the Dallas Mavericks made some of the most amazing adjustments. I, I, I just talked to Jared Dudley a short time ago, and I'm, I'm getting, uh, I talked to Jason Kidd earlier. Man, they made some incredible adjustments. Remember game two, the Suns attacked Luka? They attacked him. They made Luka look ridiculous, right? They, they made Luka look stupid. The, the Mavs made some great adjustments. The first thing they did is they took Luka off of guarding uh, Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. They put him on McHale because McHale rolls. Those other guys pop. So it was easy for them to get back into rotation. Then they decided anybody but Book. They're going to trap Booker on every single play because they knew that Chris Paul's not going to shoot the three. So they left – in the beginning of the series, they were trying to deny Chris the ball. Towards the end of the series, they left him wide open. They didn't even guard him. They guarded the paint to have another body in there to protect against drives to the basket. They left Chris wide open, and Chris is not a three-point shooter, so he was holding the ball and swinging it, played right into the Suns, uh, right into the Mavs' hands. So I thought the best, the best adjustments that were made by Dallas, trapping Book on every single possession to make sure that he wasn't able to drive – and get to the free throw line and get to that mid-range jumper. Gambo, that's a great breakdown of the X's and O's, but the other thing that was striking to me was the energy level and the difference between the two teams. In 144 Game 7s in NBA playoff history, the home team was 110 and 34. It didn't seem to matter in this particular Game 7 with the Phoenix Suns having home court, and I wanted to ask you what made this game different from all the other games in this series where the home team has won? You know what? You ever, you ever taste your own blood? I kind of use this example. You, you, you taste your own blood. The Suns got a the Suns got a taste of their own blood, and they didn't like it. They didn't bounce back. You know, they 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 chirped a lot. They talked a lot. The Lucas special. I mean, they're a big trash talking team. But when they got punched in the mouth and they had to taste their own blood, they cowered. I mean, let's call it like it is. They cowered. You know, they were they were shell shocked. Throughout the entire game, they never made a ribbon in the second half. You think, okay, make a little bit of a run. You know, go on a 14-2 to two run. Cut it to 10 or, 10 or 12 points. Instead, it was the Mavericks that went on a run early in the third quarter. I mean, the Suns, I couldn't believe what I was seeing with this basketball team. I mean, I just really couldn't believe what I was seeing. But, you know, I really think that's what it is. I, I think that they just they never responded. I, I think that they were shell-shocked, and they just didn't know how to respond. And they kind of they folded. They folded like a cheap suit. Let's be honest. I mean, they, they, they quit in that third quarter. They weren't trying to win that basketball game. They just wanted that game to be over. John Gambadoro bringing the heat from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. All right, Gambo, so with this in mind, as you now look forward – you're on the hook with Chris Paul the next two years at $60 million. DeAndre Ayton's uh, a f- restricted free agent. What is the outlook here as far as your read on how the front office for uh, the Suns are going to play this? 
that, that, listen, they're, they're stuck with Chris. I mean, they're committed to him. They're stuck with him, at least for next year. Next year is a fully guaranteed contract. The year after that, only half of it's guaranteed. If you wanted to get off of him in two years, you could, instead of having him for a full two years. The biggest, so I think you run it back with Booker and Paul. I don't think you have any choice. The biggest question is DeAndre Ayton. Look, guys, I'm telling you, he, he, Chris, he's a good player. They don't utilize him. They don't utilize him. Now, is he, he'll get a, if he was on the Dallas Mavericks, they'd win a championship. Okay? Now, he, he, you'll have a qualifying offer of $16.5 million. That'll be the highest qualifying offer ever. Uh, and if he accepts it, then he's a free agent in a year, and they'd probably lose him. I think they've got to make a decision. Do you want to feature him or not? If you don't want to feature him, well, then trade him. Do a sign and trade. Move on from him and, and go get some pieces. But if you decide that you do want to build around him and Booker and feature him more, guys, his efficiency was the same this year as it was last year. 64% shooting this year, 65% last year. Everybody raved about him last year. This year, everybody's, like, criticizing him. He doesn't control getting the ball. Paul and Booker, they're a guard-dominated team. The Mavs were worried about DeAndre Ayton. They were worried, but the Suns don't utilize him very much. What do you have, three shots in the first half? I mean, it's up to other players to get him the ball. They didn't do that. So the Suns got to decide, do you want to utilize him? If you do, bring him back. Give him a big contract. If you don't, then move on from him. Talking with John Gambadoro, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM in Gambo. One of the things that I thought was – Really interesting in the post-game press conference. Monty Williams said that he rode Devin Booker and Chris Paul maybe a little more than he should throughout the regular season and on in the postseason. When those two players were asked about it at the post-game press conference, they dismissed the notion that their head coach was asking them to do too much. What's the word around town, folks in the know with the Phoenix Suns, about the actual workload that those two stars can be able to handle if this team is going to make a championship run in the foreseeable future? Look, there's no excuses with Chris, okay? I mean, it's, it's five times now he's had a 2 nothing lead and he's blown it. I mean, there's no excuses. He played awful. He was terrible. I mean, listen to what Pat Bev said about him this morning. I mean, uh, Chris, Chris has been great for the Phoenix Suns. Let's not, let's not dismiss that. He's been great. I mean, he came here. He changed, helped change the culture. The Suns owe a lot to Chris Paul. But his inability, his inability to get this team to win a championship this year is going to hurt his legacy a little bit because they were set up to win, right? They had the depth. They had, uh, they had 64 wins. Now, they kind of shut it down at the end of the season, and a lot of people are going to point to that, like maybe they shouldn't have shut it down because they were clicking on all cylinders. And then once they clinched, they kind of shut it down a little bit, didn't play very well, and they just never got it back. They went 9-10 and 10 from the time they shut it down, nine wins and ten losses. And Chris... Listen, your best players determine whether you win or lose a championship. Your best players determine. Your best player cannot be Cam Johnson last night. It cannot be DeAndre Ayton in game six. Your best players have to be Devin Booker, and it has to be Chris Paul. And if they're not going to be your best players, you're not going to win. Gamble, last one from me. Who do people blame the most right now for what happened? I, I think Chris Paul, number one. I mean, because he completely disappeared. I mean, Chris, number one, I hate to say it, but I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, Chris was god-awful in this series, just terrible and reluctant to shoot the ball. He couldn't get – I mean, they took him out of his game like nothing I've ever seen, man. They absolutely took him out of his game. He loves to get to that elbow jumper. They took it away. What they did is they would have a big just step up. They, their bigs are mobile. Their bigs are mobile. So their big would step up every single time and take that away. Now, 500 times – the analytics for the Mavericks showed that 500 times Chris took to 
the mid-range shot, and only about 30 did he try to drive by the guy for a layup or a floater. They knew he wasn't going to drive by anybody. They knew he was going to try to pull up, and once they took that away, he never, never figured out what he could do to have an impact. Number two is Monty. Monty made no adjustments. He put JaVel, he took JaVel McGee out and put Bismack Biombo in, and he took campaign out and put Landry Shamit in. But as far as in-game adjustments, I mean, it was the same screener every single time, DeAndre Ayton. They never figured out how to attack Luka after the second game. I just think, you know, Monty gets the, the second most blame because there were no real adjustments made by the Suns. They were very predictable. John Gambadoro, Arizona Sports, 98.7. Great insight. We appreciate it, Gambo. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. I have to tell you, I... I'm so disappointed in what happened with the Phoenix Suns because, to me, they were a a finals team when you had the best record during the regular season. We know that that, in the grand scheme, does not end up meaning that much. But it was a team. But would you agree, though, that it was a team that, after what happened in the finals last year, did have a look about them during the regular season of, we are on a mission at this point. But that's the lesson that we need to learn in all of this, that everybody doesn't take the regular season seriously. And so it's not enough to say that we think a team is a championship contender just because they have the best record in their respective conference or Mm -hmm. the best record in the NBA. And the Phoenix Suns just demonstrated that to us because they couldn't even make it out of the second second round. And we're talking about for the first time since 2011, Carlin, that one of the top two seeds in the Western Conference hasn't advanced to the NBA Finals. Brutal. It's absolutely brutal. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. We've had a lot of discussions today around Luka Doncic and whether or not he is a top five player, one of the best players in the league right now. You can weigh in on that on the CC call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. Up next, though, the Milwaukee Bucks are headed home. The defending champions will not be defending anymore. So who really is to blame for what happened? Did Giannis not do enough, or did he not get enough help, not just from his teammates, but from someone else? We'll discuss next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Amazing job by the Boston Celtics to get to the conference finals. And for the Milwaukee Bucks, disappointment. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. You win two games on the road in a playoff series. There is no way, there is no way that you should ever lose that series. But that's what happened with the Milwaukee Bucks. And yes, there was no Chris Middleton. We understand that. Mm. But was that the biggest issue there? Maybe Maybe not. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in Tuesday. The Heat host the Celtics. Game 1, Eastern Conference Finals. Presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. Maybe it's the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks. Hmm. P.J. Tucker moving on after last season. Such a huge part of that championship team. Yep. And yes, Middleton went down with injury. But maybe it was the Bucks who really didn't do Giannis any favors because, Chris, I I can't take anybody just saying, well, you know, Giannis just ran out of gas. No, 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 no. Giannis might have run out of gas because he was trying to do everything he possibly could and did do everything he possibly could to try to will the Bucks home, but yet nobody else, nobody on that roster outside of Drew Holiday in the series did nearly enough to help him, especially yesterday. No, I mean, listen, Giannis got it going early, Carlin. I mean, he scored or assisted on the first 24 points for the Bucks. He was intentional about getting his teammates involved and getting them in the flow of the game, and that's why they had a lead at the end of the first quarter. But then his teammates in the next two quarters decided to repay Giannis in kind by being outscored by the Seas 59-41. to 41. Hmm. That's where the game was decided right there. When Jason Tatum decided to start raining down threes in the second quarter, they didn't have any answers in terms of how to slow the Celtics' offense down. And to me, that was the biggest miss with P.J. Tucker. Not having a guy, another body that you can throw at those wing defenders, I mean those wing perimeter players that the Celtics have, not having another body that you can throw at Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or somebody that can at times, if he's got to D up Marcus Smart and disrupt what they do on offense in the half court, to me, that was a big miss. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I think that the Milwaukee Bucks front office did Giannis a disservice. The other thing that I think was a miss for the Bucks is not playing out the string when it came to the regular season. Because in that final regular season game against the Cavs, I want to say, they decided they were going to rest all of their starters. The Boston Celtics didn't do that. They played all of their starters. One team lost, the other team won, the other team had second seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. That team had home court advantage in Game 7 in this particular series, and we know how valuable that is. In 144 Game 7s in NBA playoff history, the home team has won 110 times, Carlin. And so you mentioned it. The Bucks won twice in Boston in this series. What were the odds that they were going to win a third time? No. Remote. They, they needed to and win that, this and series that, and, six. and that's my point. And yeah. so there was a missed opportunity for them not closing out in Milwaukee, but I also think it was a missed opportunity not fighting for that second seed in the regular season, and it was a missed opportunity not resigning P.J. Tucker that offseason. So I think when you start talking about power ranking, who's to blame for Giannis not having a chance to defend his title in the championship rounds, I think you have to look at the front office and you have to look at the organization in terms of their overall strategy. Because Giannis could not have done more in this series, Carlin. He just couldn't have. He's the first player in NBA history in a seven-game series have over 200 points, over 100 boards, over 50 assists. There's a reason why it doesn't happen or it hadn't happened yet, because that's asking a guy to do too much. 
Yesterday, he drops 25, 20 boards, and nine assists. Could he do any more? No. No. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's hear from Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks head coach, on just being in the moment and watching Giannis really give it everything he has but running out of gas in Game 7. We definitely, you know, played those guys out for as long and as much as we could. And, um, you know, maybe that had some small impact on it. And um, some nights the ball, you just can't get it in the basket. And, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, just there was there was enough, um, you know, just, I mean, and, and Boston was phenomenal. So, but it would have been great if we, you know, make a few more, you know, whether it be layups or open threes and things like that, or, you know, some shots that are in and out. Let's remember something, though. Let's go back to game one for a second. Mm. Remember what we were talking about after that? That, in essence, the series that Milwaukee had previous versus the series that Boston had previous, Boston beat up and was more physical against the Nets, and it proved that the Nets were just pretty soft when you look at what Milwaukee did to them in game one. Mm -hmm. Celtics' resilience really was impressive. No doubt about it. Really impressive in this series because that could have gone two ways. It could have gone, we're going to get shoved around all series or we're going to take it as a wake-up call, and that's exactly what they did. No, they did, and here's the thing. The Celtic stars played like stars. Yep. Like, I mean, that's the part. Like, Jason Tatum averaged 27 in this series. Jalen Brown averaged 22 in this series, and then Marcus Smart and Al Horford both had moments. Now, Marcus Smart had a positive and negative moments, but you understand what I'm saying. They both had their fingerprints on key Celtics wins, and so I think that's the one piece that the Milwaukee Bucks were missing. They didn't necessarily have those games where those role players had those moments. Maybe if you want to point to game five and Bobby Portis getting that rebound off of the Giannis Antetokounmpo missed free throw, maybe if you want to say that. But they they didn't have those moments. Like Al Horford having that outburst, you saw what he was able to do in that game five. Like those are the types of performances. That's the kind of production that you need your role players to step up and have at certain points if you're going to compete in advance in the playoffs. And the Milwaukee Bucks didn't have enough of those in comparison to the Boston Celtics. I'll tell you what else, too. When you let go of a player and the team that goes and signs that player is the Miami Heat, (laughs) your first thought does have to be... We screwed up? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Up next, hey... The Green Bay Packers have laid out the cash and paid somebody. So how is that going to help Aaron Rodgers? Mina Kimes joins us next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Lots of top five talk today in the NBA. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Always a good time every week when we check in with Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, and of course, the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, the podcast follower on Twitter, at Mina Kimes. Let's get your top five, Mina. Let's start right there. Canty and I have the same top five, but not in the same order. And so we'll, I'll just lay out the players for you real quick. It's Giannis, it's Luka Doncic, it's Jason Tatum, it's Embiid, and it's Durant. Not necessarily in that order, but it's those five. What do you got? Did we lose me? Uh, She's we speechless. lost her on the phone. I for thought a she was speechless. <laughs> I thought she was. I, I, here's what I'm hoping. She was going to say, here's, I can't do fella, it anymore. Big fella, here's what I'm hoping because I know Mina Kimes is big on analytics. I yes. know she loves analytics. You want I am hoping that she's not caping for Nikola Jokic. I'm hoping that that's not the case. All right, so Mina, is that the case? Are you going to try to convince us on Nikola Jokic? On being that he deserved the MVP? No, top five. Top five player in the NBA. Oh, All right. um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me reset. I mean, I'm not what gonna try have. to convince you, but but it, like, I, I don't see how that's not a at least arguable position. All right. So here's here's where we were at with it. Okay, Chris right. and I both have the same top five players, but we don't have them in the same order. And I'll just give them to you, and they're not in any particular order. But this is who we had: it's Durant, Giannis, Luca, Tatum, Embiid. And you believe it should Jokic should be in there? So make your argument. I mean, I would put Jokic over Tatum. I feel like that's a little bit of recency bias creeping in on you guys' part. Not that I mean Tatum's right on the outside looking in, and you know we can talk about LeBron as well. But um, I think I caught the end of what you were saying, which is that Jokic is like the analytics guy. I feel like that's become like a really unfair criticism of his play. Like you don't really have to go into the advanced metrics to see how dominant he is, um, you know, just as everything he does as a facilitator and a scorer, I mean, he's unbelievable. And he does it without, did it without like any help at the end of last year. I, I don't really, I, the antipathy towards him, I find kind of confusing. Well, here's what I don't understand. How you only win one playoff game in your last nine tries. That's <laughs> the part that I struggle with. The other I, part I that I heard. How, because the, in the, all those games, none of his teammates scored over 25 points. Which I don't but if you're like the ever. back-to-back MVP, Mina, you only win one playoff game in nine tries? I'm sorry. I'm watching yeah. Luka Doncic, who doesn't have another all-star on his team, take his squad to the conference finals in his fourth year. Yeah, well, I would say he's had teammates contribute more in the postseason but also the mvp is a regular season award guys I mean, fair, fair enough fair enough but i can still use data points from what i'm seeing in the postseason to confirm some of the suspicions that i've had on that particular player not to mention i did watch the golden state warriors search out nikola Jokic 
in offensive matchups and try to put him in actions and exploit him. But that's neither here nor there, Mina, because well, I want to talk I've about seen, a guy. I've seen players hunt Luca, who I love as well, just as much. <laughs> like, And I love Luca. But Luca like, I mean, is not as bad defensively as Jokic can be. And as far as the recency bias with Tatum, I mean, it's not just about what's gone on here during the playoffs. He had the opportunity to take these playoffs to get into this conversation. He was a terrific player all season long as it was, but he's just gone and beat Kevin Durant and then beat Giannis, who at least Chris and I both agree is the best player in the sport right now. I agree that Giannis is the best player in the sport right now for sure. I just think this, like, it depends on how much you value. Like, we're talking about top five, not MVP, right? Because MVP, we yeah. don't know, is yeah. right? yeah. the right what it is. We're talking about top five. It really depends how much you value postseason performance and how much you value the lack of talent around Nikola Jokic. I think that's ultimately what this discussion comes down to. But we should also note we're talking about the difference between like five, six, and seven here. Like, come on. I'm about to say, yeah. I, I, speaking of, talking with ESPN NFL well, analyst said. Mina Kimes. And Mina, I got to get to the NFL news of the day, which is Jair Alexander getting a bag, becomes the highest paid corner on average annual value. What did you make of the Green Bay Packers making this move to extend him at this time? I mean, no-brainer to me. He's one of the three, I would say, best cornerbacks in the NFL. Just such an incredible cover corner. I was thinking, actually, back when the deal broke, I was at his pro day, not to watch him, but to watch uh, Lamar Jackson, who you may remember didn't run because he didn't have to at his own pro day. Um, And at the time, you know, people weren't expecting him to even go top 18. Like, he was good at Louisville, um, very – like, he was a real ball hawk. But he was nowhere good and as good in coverage as he's become in the NFL. I think he's perfect for their scheme. Um, and I think this is a defense that suddenly looks like one of the five best units in the NFL. Mina, with Jackson, since, we, since you brought him up, the contract thing is just mystifying to all of us. And the Ravens say they want to pay him. And he, for whatever reason, has it feels like he hasn't prioritized it enough. What is your read on that situation? Well, you know, we haven't heard from him uh, or, you know, his people, so to speak. So, like, it's hard to know exactly what his angle is. I think the thing you can suppose is that he might be trying to go down that Kirk Cousins path, which we all seen how works, how financially well that has worked for Kirk Cousins. And it's something, Kirk Cousins is something that's very rare to see in the NFL. Like, even Dak Prescott, you know, pushed it and pushed it, but ultimately did the extension before going to free agency. And I think there's understandable concern with Lamar. You know, if he gets hurt, will he regret going um, going about it this way and trying to, you know, test uh, how far he can get without signing that deal? Um, because, of course, he gains leverage the longer it lasts. But um, we'll see. I, you know, I, again, there's no really – because he's not represented by an agent who's telling stuff to reporters, we really don't know what he thinks. <laughs> Talking with ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes on Canty and Carlin. And Mina, over the weekend, news broke about Drew Brees and NBC Sports severing ties. And Drew Brees put something out there on social media that sent shockwaves throughout the NFL saying that maybe he would consider coming back to the NFL. Now, I know Dan Graziano and others within the ESPN family dispelled the notion that Drew Brees would come back and play football this year. But just the idea of Drew Brees coming back, would he be an upgrade over Jameis Winston right now? No. You wouldn't. I mean, honestly, even in this last season, I was suggesting that um, the Saints might consider going to James Winston because, you know, Drew Brees really could not push the ball downfield. 
um, very rarely during his final. It's not too dissimilar from what we saw from Ben Roethlisberger. So unless, um, you know, his arm strength has come back in his time away from football, I don't see why it would be a, a move that the Saints would want to make. Mina, awesome stuff as usual. And listen, it's, it's all up for debate, as we know. It's just that Chris and I think that we're right, and we think that you're wrong. So, you know. Well, I'm glad you guys agree, because you got a show together, so it's good to have uh, <laughs> harmony. Actually, sometimes it's actually better for us not to agree. Yeah, we really, we often, we don't find ourselves in this <laughs> well, position very often, Mina. I promise you that. All right. <laughs> it is uncomfortable. Thanks, Mina. Appreciate it, as always. Bye, guys. Mina, Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, and of course the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, the podcast. More NFL next on Canty and Carlin. It's interesting when we think about how great of a job everyone says Howie Roseman has done, but there's a big reason his job is on the line this coming year, and we'll explain what we mean with the Philadelphia Eagles next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Pretty clear and continues to be clear is that Deshaun Watson just doesn't get it. It's we found out today that Deshaun Watson is going to have a passing camp with his new teammates in Cleveland. He's bringing his offense all together, and that's the right thing to do when you're a quarterback, especially when you're going into a, a brand new situation. The problem is not doing it. The problem is where he's doing it. They're doing it in the Bahamas now. Just given everything that is around Deshaun Watson and the fact that there is still no real resolution on his situation, even though he is meeting with the league here soon, all of that being the case, taking him, taking a group of guys out of the United States to some 
other place that is a resort and, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, it's not the best look, Chris. You can have a passing camp somewhere else. You can do it anywhere in the country, literally anywhere, and you're doing it there. I don't get it. So a couple of things here. First of all, Carlin, it, it, it doesn't feel like you're going down to the Bahamas to grind to get exactly. ready for the NFL season. So there's that. But I'll throw this back at you, and I hate answering a question with a question, but I'm going to do it anyway. If this was any other quarterback around the National Football League, would this matter? Would this be a story? Would this be as bad a look? Well, no, but this is the point. It is a bad look, and it is this quarterback, and he can't do something like this when all of this has happened. And whether or not he's going to deny it, he knows what the perception is, and the perception is always reality. But here's the thing. If he has this passing camp or this this organized team activity out of the country in the Bahamas and it's without incident and it ingratiates himself with his teammates, then how could it be a negative? As long as, long as nothing bad happens, no bad stories come out of this, Carlin, it has to be viewed as a win for Deshaun Watson in a, a leadership moment with his new teammates. I mean, that's ultimately why he's doing it in the first place. So I get the logic behind it. It still makes it hard to get past the optics of well, it. I but still, that's the thing that the Cleveland Browns have to deal with. They got to live with because they made their bed with it when they traded for him and guaranteed him $230 million. Or, or, what are we doing here, though? We're going to take our business offshore? Is that what we're doing? I hope not. Because, you, honestly, when you, <laughs> honestly, when you're Deshaun Watson at this point, literally anywhere in this country would be a better decision than doing this. But here's the thing. I would love it as a teammate if you're having an an all-expense-paid trip by your quarterback to go to the Bahamas to work out together. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah, I'm just not sure how much working out is going to be happening. That's all. Like, is is it really, truly busting it to get ready for the season? You could argue the biggest move of the NFL draft this year was made by the Philadelphia Eagles, and it wasn't drafting a player. It was trading for A.J. Brown, the Titans' wide receiver. It is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, ESPN Plus, Sirius XM Channel 80. There isn't a place you can't get us, including your smart speaker. Howie Roseman went out and made that deal and was universally lauded for it as the Eagles GM. And why did he do it? To set up Jalen Hurts to be successful. They are still in a position where they are not paying the quarterback yet. And Mm. they could go out and get him a lot of help. But they still have their questions about the quarterback. Case in point, they traded away one of their first-round picks this year so they could get one next year when it's a stronger quarterback draft in case Jalen Hurts isn't the story. But, Chris, this got me to thinking about Howie Roseman, and I've paid very close attention having worked in that city and having understood what the dynamic was between Howie and the fan base and everybody. And there is one thing that you cannot argue he has not done well. And, well, there's two things, really. That was drafting wide receivers, but also drafting and getting quarterbacks. Carson Wentz was his first guy, and in 2017, his second season, he was playing like the MVP, and the Eagles went on to win, went on to win the Super Bowl even after he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So you think that buys you a long, long highway to work with, and you would also think that it would for the head coach, which it turns out it really didn't. Doug Peterson went and won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback. So now he drafts Jalen Hurts, and... 
it was Howie Roseman who drafted him. So we are going into year three. I like Jalen Hurts. I think he can play. But I don't know for sure yet. I don't mm-hmm. think any of us really do know for sure yet. Here's the question. If Howie Roseman picked Jalen Hurts and this doesn't work, how many bites at the apple do you get when it comes to the franchise quarterback? That's a great question. And then it becomes a matter of how many bites of the apple do you get with the head coach as well? Because you moved away from a Super Bowl winning head coach. Say what you want about Doug Peterson and how that thing ended in Philly. I mean, Doug Peterson can coach. He knows what he's doing. And remember, Howie had to get, he had lost a power struggle to Chip Kelly back in the day. And he knew that he wasn't going to let that happen again this time around with Doug Peterson. Right. No. So, I mean, Doug Peterson was the one to go out there with Nick Foles in the Philly special and beat the New England Patriots and Tom Brady in the bowl. So, you not only moved off of Carson Wentz, a quarterback that you traded multiple first-round draft picks in order to move up to draft, but then you decided you were going to get rid of Doug Peterson. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on Howie Roseman to make the Jalen Hurts decision work, and A.J. Brown is an extension of that. The fact that you traded for him in the draft, it just shows me or affirms, affirms what I believe in that Howie Roseman wants to try to make sure that Jalen Hurts, who's a second-round pick, ends up being one of his success stories. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's just funny because for some reason that Super Bowl has bought him a lot more leeway than it did for other people that were a big part of it, including Peterson. And yep. we discussed there a second ago. So he got he was running the team prior to Chip Kelly getting there, and then he's running the team again after Chip Kelly is gone. This just speaks to me as one of those classic examples, and we all know these people in life, okay? You work in a corporate environment. There are people that are amazing at playing the game. (laughs) And I think Howie Roseman is amazing at playing the game. I think he's amazing at playing the media game and not in Philadelphia on a national stamp from a national standpoint. Okay. And I think he is amazing at managing up to Jeffrey Lurie because – he has Jeffrey Lurie convinced that he's the guy that needs to be doing this. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from what he did with making this trade. It was a phenomenal trade. And every once in a while, we talked about him having nine lives. Every once <laughs> in a while, you can he'll, he'll tap you on the shoulder with a major move that will really help. And everything that he did during that Super Bowl season – you know, they went out, they traded for Jay Ajayi. Uh, they went out and, and, you know, added receivers the year before. They brought in Alshon Jeffrey yep. prior to that season. Yep. Those things all worked out for him. I just wonder, when you're not getting the quarterback right, how do you justify keeping that guy if you're still asking questions after year three about Jalen Carlin, Hurts? forget not just getting the quarterback right. Let's talk about some of Howie Roseman's drafts before the draft that we just had a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about some of the picks. I mean, I love Devontae Smith. I think he's going to be a stud. He's a star in the making. Yep. Landon Dickerson, 2021, second-round pick. I think he's a good player. He's a starter and, and, right and now. And he would have been a high first-round pick yeah, if yeah, not for the injury. Yeah, history. but, I mean, you, you start going down the list. Jalen yep. Rager, the first-round pick in 2020. Atrocious. Okay, Andre Dillard, first-round pick in 2019. Uh, Offensive lineman, terrible. Okay, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, second-round pick in 2019. Terrible. When you could have had a crack at D.K. Metcalf? 
Terrible. That's the guy that you want to roll with? Yep. Okay, let's keep it rolling now. I'm just I'm just saying there's there's a lot of misses. Keep going, because Der- there's a few more. Derek Barnett, 2017. Horrible move. Okay. Could have S- taken Jonathan Allen. Sid- take Sidney him. Jones in the second round of that same draft. Horrible move. Exactly. He was coming off of a Achilles out of Washington. Yep. Terrible. Never paid out. These are some of the mis- When you start talking about first and second round draft picks that your general manager is missing on over the span of three or four years, you're talking about guys that should be the core of your team for the next decade. So Howie Roseman, this is on him. This ain't on anybody else. So if it doesn't work out, if this team doesn't take a step forward, if Jalen Hurts doesn't take a step forward, then you might start to hear some calls around the Philly area for Howie Roseman's job. Now let's be clear. The Eagles, with the move that they made to get A.J. Brown, took control of the NFC East. But that bar is not terribly high to clear right now. And I know what I'm saying when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sorry. There is a lack of respect that I have for that organization right now when it comes to putting together the winning formula and not just winning a, a mediocre division, which has been mediocre for quite some time. It really boils down more to being able to win playoff games and get back to the Super Bowl, which is not what you have been able to do, yet I hear from every Cowboy fan every year about how this is the team that's going to do it. You know what, and it's interesting because everybody wants to say, well, the Dallas Cowboys have the best quarterback in the division, thereby they're going to win the division. That's the default position that everybody wants to take. Yet we saw a team in this division that didn't have the best quarterback in this division win the Super Bowl, and that was the Eagles in 2017 with Nick Foles. We, Mm -hmm. We saw that. You don't have to have the best quarterback. You just have to have a quarterback that can make a handful of throws, a handful of plays throughout the course of a game if you have the right supporting cast. And that's where I will give the Eagles the edge over the Dallas Cowboys going into 2022 because I think they're stronger in the trenches on both the offensive line and the defensive line. The only area where I will give Dallas the edge is that the defensive back seven for the Cowboys is better than the defensive back seven of the Eagles. That's it. It's problematic for Howie Roseman, and I don't know how, if you get it wrong on the quarterback again, that you keep your job.